You can be seated. My name is Peter, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Harvest, and I just want to welcome you here today. We say it all the time, and we say it because we mean it, that uh, we don't believe it's an accident that you find yourself here this morning, and just so glad that you, you came and you're gathering with us. If you are in second through eighth grade, I want to uh, let you know if you want to be released to go to your own gatherings, you can. Uh, if you want to stay here, you can. And while those that are going, will you guys just join me in prayer? We're just going to pray for our kids and our teachers and the parents. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of generations, that you don't favor one age group over another age group. In your eyes, there aren't so much grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles and kids and um, all these different classifications that we put. There are roles, and uh, you, you, you did that on purpose. But God, at the end of the day, each one of us is your daughter and your son. So Lord, we pray for the kids as they go to gather with, with their age groups that, Lord, you would meet them right there. They're not going to daycare. They're not going just to be entertained. They're going to encounter your presence. So Lord, we ask that they would realize that you're not just the God of their parents. You're not just the God of stories, but Lord, that you are their father and you love them so much. You're crazy about them. God, we ask for even those that are volunteering back there, the parents and other volunteers, that you would be with them that you would give them your heart, that they wouldn't see frustration, they wouldn't see acting up, they wouldn't see um, uh, someone hiding, hiding off and, and being quiet, but God, that they would see your child and they would have your heart, that you would break their heart with what breaks yours. God, we wanna be a church that encourages all generations to continue rising up to be more like you, continuing to receive your love in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, well, again, good morning. Um, I wanna encourage you, we, uh, we're not gonna actually do any uh, major announcements with community groups uh, today, but I wanna encourage you that it is great to gather like this with one another and to be around each other, to lift our voices together, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be able to pray for one another. Uh, but there is something missing because we can only get into so much conversation sitting in this room with one another. And so we need to be in community. So I want to encourage you to go on to Church Center, and uh, which is simply, you can either get it through an app form, or you can also get it just by going to churchcenter.church um, using your computer. And uh, if you didn't know, you would be putting, uh, you can just type it in that way, or if you're old school, you can still include the three W's if you so choose to followed by a dot, but you can also just put in churchcenter.church, and they're going to open up the same thing, so it's not like one has one set of information in the other. Why is this important? Because God puts us together, not just so we can come into a room once a week, but so we can be in community. I was telling a group earlier today that the majority of people that choose to go to another church, I would say the majority of you, what brought you here some, there was some prophetic thing you were told to come here. But lots of us, it's because we didn't feel connected wherever we were. And we were looking for community. Now there's a part of that that's on the responsibility of the room to welcome you and to love you. 
but there's also a big responsibility that's on each one of us to go and find community, to make community, to step out and make ourselves vulnerable and get into the community. And that way we have people around us. Now you might say, well, I, I'm doing okay right now. You might be doing okay right now. But if your life is anything like mine, right about the time that I think it's all going okay, what happens? Watch your language, but it does, you know, stuff happens. And then that is when we need people. And that's not the time to start trying to scrounge together friends and, oh, I need to get into this. The time is now. And to know that community isn't just about what you get out of it. It's also what you give into it. Because it's not just about, do you need something out of the group? I'm going to argue with you and say you do, whether you think you do or not. But we can finish that argument later. But the other thing is, is you're robbing people of your blessing, who God made you to be and what he wants you to say. And you might say, well, I, I mean, I am so new to this. How do I have anything to offer? You have a fresh perspective. You have the perspective like Sue's granddaughter did in the car, a fresh mindset. You bring something different. And so let's not be islands. Let's not just hide away, but let's get into community. Let's support one another. And let's really link arms in unity, not because we're all alike, but because we're actually different. We're the body of Christ, but God's bringing us together as one. So there you go. There's your quick little commercial. Um, men, if you are in here today, uh, this Thursday, we have a barbecue and also have a cornhole tournament. So start getting your shoulder and elbow loosened up and come out this coming Thursday, 7 PM. Would love to see all the men there. Um, that's about all I could say to that. Just would love to see you there. We are going to be opening our Bibles today. And if you need a Bible to read along, uh, whether you have your phone and a Bible on it, or you just want a paper copy, um, Raise your hand and the ushers will get that to you. We've been on a series um, looking through the letter of James and looking at what he wrote the early church and not just seeing it as a neat letter that was written out, but that the letter was written on purpose. And sorry about the, um, if you're wondering if your eyes are going in and out of focus, no, it's us. If you're wondering, I swear I just bought these readers and they were working so well, they must really be foggy. Um, I think our, our uh, lamp is going out in the projector, and conveniently for technology, it likes to work all week long, and when it wants to let us know that it's not working, is at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, and uh, that's usually when it says, okay, I'm ready to let you know I'm breaking down, but we're going through James because we're seeing it as there's instructions in this, in this letter. And it's classified as a book in the Bible, but there's instructions where he's challenging the church, the early church at that time, about their attitudes, about the way they're living. So these are people who've converted to be Christ followers. They are now being called Christians, not because of a club they're part of, but because of the way they act and the way they talk is like Christ. And so people are classifying them as Christians. But like you and I, is it's very easy to start to go one way, but the gravitational pull inside each one of us is to be pulled a different direction. So we work on our speech and we work on our confession. And after a little while, though, there's still something trying to pull us back into being cynical and, and to, to slander and to gossip. 
We, we work on not favoring people, but there's this little thing that rises up. We see someone walk in and, and we instantly judge them based off of their outward experience instead of seeing them the way that God sees them. There's something in us. And so we want to challenge ourselves to become more like Jesus, not just to be like Jesus because periodically we go and do something nice for someone. And we say, okay, I just did my Jesus deed for the week. But we're like Christ because when people encounter us, they feel like they're encountering Jesus because of the way we talk, because of the way we act, how we conduct ourselves. People feel something that's different because it's not us. It's Christ living in us. And it's because we've allowed Christ to come and transform us which means we have to submit ourselves to this process. So we handed out um, last week this little bookmark, and it just has kind of the, the reminders of the, we only went through the first half of chapter three. And um, so it has just the different, the titles and then the questions to consider, the things we're asking ourselves to bring it to life in us, where it's not just a thought, but we're asking ourselves these questions to really change the way we are. If you want to get one of these, they'll, they'll have them after the service and you can grab one, but it's just a, a, a great reminder to look at. I was supposed to go into the second part of chapter three, but um, just kind of felt earlier this week that I uh, was supposed to pause it. And we were already going to take a, a, a pause in James for the majority of October. We have some guest speakers. We have Raul Torres from Puerto Rico next Sunday. We're going to be doing a bilingual service, and it's going to be a, a great time. Um, and then uh, I, I'm going to be a guest speaker the following week. And then we have, uh, there's a joke, but go along with it. Aaron Chittister will be coming. He used to be on staff here, and he's now in Kauai at Kauai Bible. And he's going to be here on the 15th. And then Isaac McKinley, who used to be on staff here, um, and is in, he and his wife and family are in Detroit. He's going to be here on the 22nd. So we are going to already take a, a little bit of a, a pause. But I felt even before that one, we were supposed to do something different today. You and I are on a journey, and we're on a journey to become more like Christ. It's not something that we just go take a class and we walk out graduated. It's not something we just go in and, you know, there's a lot of buzz. I have a child right now that we can't really go about five minutes without this one child talking to me about the new iPhone, okay? So if you follow iPhones, they're about to release a new one. And it's going to be all that better than the current one. Well, you and I can't just go get an upgrade and then just, I'm going to upgrade myself to a better disciple. It doesn't happen that way. Um, we, it's not going to happen just through a podcast. It's not going to happen by, can you read through the Bible in one year? Can you, can you pray for at least 20 minutes a day? Those things are all good, but it's still a journey which means it's day by day by day. If you're like me, the things that I want God to do quicker, he chooses to take a really long time on. And the things that I wish that I'm a little insecure about or I wish, you really do not need to rush that part in my life. He's like, bam, there it is. And he just gives it to us. But life change, I wish it happened a lot quicker. I wish it happened a lot sooner. I wish that I could just go in and say, Lord, would you remove this from me? It'd be so much easier because then I wouldn't be tempted by it. 
but he doesn't remove it completely because he wants me to surrender it to him. He wants me to continue moving closer to him. There's something that takes, in the pro- takes place in the process. So it's a, a radical journey of us to become his disciples, which means we become more like him. And, but in this, is, there's also this other tension with that, is that just because we do those things, we don't earn his love. He loves us because we're his kids. I want you to know, every person in here to know, that God the Father, Father loves you because you are his daughter and you are his son. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you said about me on your way in. He loves you because he loves you. You can do all sorts of things. And yes, those things will help you become more like him. But he doesn't love you because you became more like him. He loves you because you're you. And sometimes we can get stuck in one camp or the other. We're in the works camp. And we're just going to keep going. And give me another class. And give me another lecture. And give me another group. Give me another opportunity. Or we can be in the, I'm just going to sit. And rest in this. We need to be able to live in both. We accept his love is a free gift. But yet, because of that free gift, it motivates us to want to chase after him. But we know that it's just for who I am that he loves me. That there's nothing I can do to earn more of his love. And that motivates me to want to lay down more of my life to become like him. So I felt like we were supposed to kind of pause and, um, and just look at the love of God. So if you're able, if you'll turn to Psalms 23, and this isn't a funeral, okay? And believe it or not, we're going to read Psalms 23 in a positive way. Uh, many times you only hear this in a funeral setting. Um, if you're new to the Bible, it's almost halfway through it, just slightly, I don't know the exact number of pages less, but just less than halfway through Psalms 23. And I'm going to read it in three different translations. That's why my Bible is so thick. This is the essential evangelical parallel Bible. It has the New King James, the ESV, the NLT, and ladies and gentlemen's favorite, the message. All right. First, I'm going to read it in the ESV. And um, today we're looking at the journey and the shepherd's love. Because you and I are on a journey, but we have to remember that the shepherd's love is there with us in guiding us. Now I'm going to read it first through, like I said, the English Standard Version. And what I want you to notice as we read this one is where David gets a little personal in this. He starts out by talking about God, and then he starts actually talking to God. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
Here it switches. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can kind of divide this portion of scripture into two sections. Verses one through four where it talks about God more in light of a shepherd. In verse five and six, which you could still associate to him being a shepherd, but it's also him being a host. It's like we're coming into his house. We're coming up to his table. It says, you've prepared a place for me. And he, he's a host. What an amazing picture to think that the Alpha Omega, which means beginning and end, the creator of heavens and the earth, the one that formed you in your mother's womb. I want you to know on that, you're not an accident. Your parents maybe didn't plan you, but you are not an accident. You are God's child. Know that you are loved so dearly. But that this creator of the world comes down as a shepherd and wants to walk with us. Wants to be with us in these situations. Not only that though, also prepares a place for us to come and dwell with him. To be in his presence. Says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want means everything we have or, or want, everything we would desire is actually found in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. That's peace. A green pasture, a meadow, still waters, just calm water going over some rocks. There's just something soothing about it. He restores my soul. You know, our soul can get so messed up through life circumstances and things that we've either chosen to done or things that have taken place to us. And yet, he restores your soul. He leads you in the paths of righteousness. That's the journey. We're on this journey and he's guiding us towards righteousness where we look and act and speak and and. and um, do things more like him. Why? And it says, for his namesake. It's not for our glory. It's not for the trophy that you can put up. It's not for the medal you can put around. It's not even just so after you do the amazing thing, you give God the finger and just look up. It's all for him. No, it's that everything we do, we want to see him glorified. It's for him to be glorified. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Who here, if you're like me, you've walked through a dark time. Where it felt like it was, you were lost in the darkness. It was all consuming. It was all around you. You had no idea how you were going to get through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say even though I might even though I could. It says, even though I do. We do walk through that. I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with us. That's why. 
Many times we think if we give our life to Jesus that then bad things aren't going to happen to us. We start to wonder, I mean, I, I've, been doing, I've been doing the formula. I've been doing all the things. Why, why, isn't these things taking, why are these things taking place to me? We don't do it for the absence of those things. We do it for the peace of knowing he's with us in the midst of those things. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's him as a host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You could look at that in a lot of different ways. What's that mean in the presence of my enemies? One way to see it is that even though things might be happening around you, those things can't remove the goodness and the peace of what God has put right before you. That even in the midst of all of that, he is still serving something to you that can't be stolen. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, we're going to read it through the New Living. This time, think of yourself as a sheep, okay? Can you do that real quick? I don't know what color. Good, Mike. You got the sound down. Everyone want to practice their sound? One, two, three. Yeah. I'm glad we're not sheep. That would be terrible. But picture yourself as a sheep. And think of it, you know, it's one thing when we think of ourselves as a person. And there's one thing, because a lot of us, we, we want to control things. But when you think of it, if you think of yourself as a sheep, you're not thinking about an animal that's trying to so much control that, that moment. But it, it, it's following, and it's going where the shepherd leads. And there's a little bit more of an ease to it. I don't know if you've ever led a group of people somewhere. But if you, if you take a group of people, whether it's your family, maybe even friends, and you, you go on a trip and you go somewhere where there's the unknown, all of a sudden what comes out of every single person is this wonderful, wonderful thing called anxiety. And it just blossoms in insecurity and a lot of questions. And when, when I do a, a short-term team and I take people, we use this acronym SURF. We're there to serve. We're there to be unified. We're there to respect their culture. and We're there to be flexible. We always say, we don't know what's going to happen today, but we're just going to go with the flow. Somehow we wake up, the first thing that's asked, what are we going to do today? It's like, well, this is what they told us we're going to do, but we'll see. We start operating and, and, and all these things happen. Anxiety can come up in us and it's normal for it, but, but to think of it as a sheep, because he's saying he's our shepherd, he wants us to trust him as if we're one of his sheep in that he is the good shepherd. So just think of it through that so that like how would you hear this differently if that's what you were? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. 
You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when I do that and I think about being a sheep, and just so you know, I, my wool would not be whitish. Uh, I'd be closer to a dark-haired sheep. Um, I just think I would look better that way. Um, but when I think of it, of just that idea of being peaceful and in a sense being along for the journey and not in a I'm just stupid and careless way, but I'm trusting that the shepherd is leading me where I need to go. And I know that yesterday I was in a meadow and there was a stream and right now we're going over a mountain pass. But I trust that if that was there yesterday, what's he going to have for me today? The same thing. Now we might go through a forest where it's a little darker. I hear some animals making their sound and it's a little frightening. I don't quite hear, I'm not comfortable with it because I haven't liked that type of environment. But yet I know that he has his staff with him. And he's never left me nor forsaken me. He's always protected me. Even times where I kind of wandered off because I got distracted by something else or maybe I got a little timid and so I hid behind a tree. He comes and he brings me back close to him to walk with him. But there's a trust that another pasture is coming. There's a trust that another stream is coming. There's a trust that he loves me and he will protect me on this journey. So, yeah, we want to work on our faith and endurance. Going through some of these things from James, what is your initial response to trials and struggles? We want to grow in that that our initial response is one of trusting God. Listening and doing. We don't want to just be hearers, but we want to also do what Scripture says, what God has told us. Are you a good listener that struggles to do, or are you a good doer that struggles to listen? To think through that. Where are we at with what we hear? Do we actually put it to practice? Warning against prejudice. In what ways are you showing favoritism in how you treat others? Each one of us do it. I confess last week how I was actually feeling pretty good about myself when sharing this message. And then about a week and a half later, I got convicted because I realized I had a reverse prejudice. Where I was actually excited for what most people would reject coming into the church. That excited me. But there was others that I had my own like, ah, well, that's not really what we're looking for. We're looking more for, for this broken kind of look and feel. Realize I had a reverse prejudice. Faith without good deeds is dead. Where would your faith be considered dead due to its lack of good deeds? Our good deeds don't earn something, but our good deeds do reveal what's inside of us. When we allow the word of God to change us, it comes out in deeds. It naturally flows out of us. The last one we did was one of all of our favorites, controlling the tongue. Ask Holy Spirit in the words I speak and how I speak them what needs to be made pure. One neat thing about asking Holy Spirit to point out something in your life. 
Holy Spirit will always point it out. It will be revealed. You might choose to push it away, but Holy Spirit will always bring it to light. And just in case you're struggling to hear Holy Spirit, we gave you an, an extra kind of process to help you along. You go ask a few people that you trust, how do I need to tame my tongue? So there's our journey. But to know that in the midst of that, we want to go after it because as a church family, we're on a radical journey to look and be more like Jesus. Not just to come together and give each other high fives, but to, to come in and change so that we go out and people truly experience the presence of God. Our neighbors, our schools, our workplaces, our families, we say it over and over and it's because we're serious about it. He wants us to reflect him. We're all called to be disciples, not just an elite few. Every single one of us in this room is called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to go out and to share the good news. But to remember as we chase after that, that he loves us. That he isn't just their good shepherd, but he's your good shepherd. And he cares about what you're going through. I'm going to read it one more time, but this time I want you to think of your own life and I want you to think what you're facing right now that's hard, what's difficult. It might be the conviction of what we're going through in James, it could be something else, it could be a bad diagnosis. It could be something going on to a loved one. It could be a relational thing. I don't know what it is. But to hear these words from the standpoint of your own struggle, your own hardship, your own feeling like you're a sheep lost in the woods. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quite... Um, you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. We're going to go into a song here in a minute called I Am Your Beloved. It's not a song we would normally sing during a praise set because we try to sing songs that are about exalting God, who he is, not what we need from him, but who he is. This song I would say is more like a ministry song. It's a song for, to remind us of who he says we are. So we're not so much singing this to exalt him, even though he can be exalted to, through the truth of it. But there's a part where as we go through it, whether you need to just sit there and let the word speak over you, what I ask is you allow the confession to come that you are his beloved. I want to invite up Katie Anderson real quick. Where are you, Katie? Katie is leaving this next week to go to Romania with YWAM on Friday. She's leaving on Friday. Why would I have her come up at this time? Because Katie, I want you to know you're his beloved. Amen. 
Katie's been here about 15 years. How old were you when you first came? Roughly? Seventeen, Dad knows. What I appreciate about Katie is it hasn't always been the easiest thing for her to be here. She's hit struggle, she's hit relationship struggles, things like that. When most people would get up and run out, you decided to stay put because you weren't going to go until God told you to go. And I want you to know that I believe what you're going into is a time for you to see how beloved you are in the Father's eyes. That this isn't about you just going, yes, you're going to do things. And yes, you're on a journey. And yes, God wants to express himself through you. Absolutely. But I believe more than anything, he wants you to know he loves you. How beautiful you are. And I believe that what you've been praying for, that maybe you haven't seen take place here, or haven't taken place so far in your life, that it's going to flood you. And what the enemy kept from you for years is going to blossom out of you. So will you stretch your hands forward? Father, we thank you for Katie. Lord, we just ask that you would prepare a way for her. That even as we read, you are her shepherd. And you're going to lead her and guide her. There might be times where it feels like she's going through a dark place. It might feel lonely. She might get homesick. It might be uncomfortable, the unknown. It could even be a little intimidating or scary. But that the truth that she would hold on to every minute where she's there is that you are her shepherd and that you will never leave her or forsake her. God, I pray against the whispers that would come to bring discouragement to her mind, that would come to sideline her, to say that she doesn't fit in or this was a mistake. She she never should have even ventured into this that those would be blocked off. And God, what she would be just downloaded with is your love, your acceptance, your grace, your mercy, that they would chase after her every day she's over there. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Will you stand to your feet? And if you need to stay seated, feel free. But just as we go into this song, that you find a place to accept that you are his beloved. We're not ending yet. This is a time for us to truly hold on to it, to take a truth. That you walk out of here knowing. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to keep saying it where you're like, for the love of God, just let us sing the song. But on the other hand. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to look at you and say, they're all beloved, but not you. You did something wrong. You were born into the wrong family. God's eyes go and then they jump right over you and then he glances. But to believe, he sees you. He knows everything that has happened. And he loves you. I can't explain why it's happened. I hate that. But what I do know is he is walking as a good shepherd through every single thing you're going through. So Father, this morning, 
Help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us to push aside those thoughts, the doubts, the analytical thinking, maybe even the resentment, just for a moment to receive your love. In Jesus' name.